Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome you once again to Curiosity Podcast. Uh, my name is Kolapo, and I'm your host. Uh, we want to say a big thank you to all the listeners uh, joining us for today's episode. And if this is your first time uh, joining us, uh, Curiosity Podcast is a show where I meet with amazing startup founders and key players working to make entrepreneurship thrive in Africa. And on the show today, uh, we have a special entrepreneur. Uh, Abraham Iola, who is the founder, co-founder of CareerBuddy. And CareerBuddy is a platform that connects a network of pre-screened and vetted sales, operations, and tech professionals across Africa looking for their next opportunity. And Abraham has a very interesting career obsession, and which is he wants to help organizations across Africa attract and recruit the best talents in the most efficient way possible. And he wants to make work more meaningful and engaging for employees. And also he wants to solve Africa's current workforce crisis with access to technology and education. So thank you, Abraham, for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Kalapa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Here. Yeah, you're welcome. So how are you doing today? I'm good. It's just like any other day in Lagos. Uh, you know, you start to grind, you you make sure that you're ticking off things on your list. Yes, that's been good. Yeah, amazing. Uh, so thank you for joining us on the show once again. Uh, first of all, I would just like to talk about my experience uh, of getting to know about Career Buddy, uh, which is... Uh, one of your staff, which I know you know, Lele, mm-hmm. uh, she's mm-hmm. just very, very excited about what she does and career buddy. And the energy is just so powerful. You can't resist it. You want to learn more about it. And I think uh, it's just very impressive that if your goal is to help people get amazing talent in the organization, you mm-hmm. need to have amazing employees as, as well. And I think you've done a great job in doing that so far with my relationship with Lele. <laughs> yeah, Lele's a, she's one of the, I, I think that since she joined our team, the energy has been infectious. Um, we try to create this kind of energy within the team, make people believe in what they're working on. And I think that nobody actually embodies that as much as Lele does so she's a good representative of our company so tell us about your your journey into entrepreneurship was it what what was it like for you so so here the funny thing is um i was listening to a couple of your um episodes and i always firstly i never always think of myself as an entrepreneur um that's uh uh I think that even when I was growing up, I always thought, oh, I never, I am not an entrepreneur. Um, even now listening to it, it sounds really weird when someone calls you an entrepreneur, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Um, but what I like doing, uh, what I've loved doing all along is um, I like deconstructing uh, things. So if something is not working, I like to figure out why is it not working? How is the best place to do it? How can you make it better? Um, I think that the primary thing that drives me, either I'm in uh, paid employment or even just being with friends, hanging out, it's like, okay, what can we do better? Can we do something better? And I, I would say that, that is, that's the best way I describe this experience. 
Um, and so I kind of, when I started thinking about the idea of career body, um, I was thinking, okay, maybe I will just do it as a part-time thing, do it as a part-time oh. thing. And, and after a while, uh, some of the people that we worked with, they're just like, look, listen, uh, we need you full-time. We need you to actually, you know, dedicate and do this. So I'm like, look, um, this is not paying enough. I said, look, don't worry. Uh, whatever you need, we're going to pay you upfront for any service. Just like, <laughs> you just need to be dedicated to, 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 to this. Um, so so it, 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 it did actually start by accident. It started by a lot of two of my friends who started their own company, kind of like almost forcing me to say, you need to start this company. You need to do this. And we will pay you upfront to work on this for us. Um, if, um, if you think, oh, it's because of money or resources or something like that, don't worry, we will pay you upfront. We're happy to pay you upfront. So um, we, we started like that. But uh, let me retrace a little bit back in terms, okay. of, back, in terms of background. I, I have a degree in law uh, uh, from the University of Joss. And the funny thing is that I, the moment I was studying, I knew that I was never going to do anything with this law. But my parents <laughs> always wanted me to be a lawyer. So um, one of the things, while I was in school, I joined an organization called ISEC, which is actually also a connection between myself and Lily. She also was part of this ISEC organization. And right. One of the key things that ISEC gave us opportunity to, uh, to, to build leadership abilities. We were able to uh, lead our organization. You figure out how to communicate with companies to sell a product, sell an idea. So we were, we were getting that training and we were selling an idea to bring international students from their countries to Nigeria for an exchange experience and also take Nigerian students uh, to other parts of the world for an exchange experience. So imagine you're in the university, that's what you're doing, and then they give you this huge responsibility. And people, you don't get paid, but people do it with their sweat and blood. We put everything into it. So while doing this, one, the part that was interesting to me was always... Uh, I was in JOS and our local committee at uh, uh, the university just wasn't performing very well. One thing that I really, I realized was that the reason we weren't performing very well was not because we didn't have resources, it was because people, we just didn't have good people who just didn't take this serious. So mm -hmm. I got interested in how do we become like the best performing chapter um, and the best is let's find people, let's get them trained, let's get them really fired up and that can be our competitive advantage so since then i've been obsessed about that idea of how if you are either an organization or a society or a country um if you identify the right people who who kind of they follow the vision that you set forward and you train them and they have the right um the right resources they can do anything they can mm. do anything so that is literally the foundation of why I'm doing career body because from that um when I when the moment I graduated from university um there was an opportunity to be part of the leadership team of the, this organization globally in the Netherlands so I applied okay. I got selected so my job there was I was designing internships to get students from any part of the world to work with organizations like Microsoft for example um Microsoft ING Bank in Belgium Skype then before they got bought over by Microsoft, um, the United Nations, World Economic Forum, 
So uh, that also gave me like a lot of insight into how people are trained in different other parts of the world. In, in Eastern Europe, for example, the kind of training that people get, or in Finland, the kind of training that people get, compared to if you look at the kind of training that you get as a Nigerian, I think the difference I noticed is that as a Nigerian, people have to push themselves much harder than um, the environment provides. In mm. these other parts of the world, um, the environment is already there. You just need to make yourself available to that, right? So, I mean, there, there are lots of things because right after that, I went to work in a business school in France. I was always just always fascinated about education, people working in, in things. And from there, came back to Nigeria to do NYC, worked at Jumia. Um, and then just look, just got the, the same idea. When I worked at Jumia, it was the same thing. Like we, we were in a battle with Conga, for example, and we wanted to win. And mm. I just always told my boss, like, we just need to find the best people from anywhere in the world and we need to bring them. That's what's going to make us win. Mm. And if you ask people who worked at Jumia between 2014 and 2016, you would say that one of the reasons where we, our growth accelerated was because we, we attracted, we found the best people from anywhere in the world. If you're Nigerian and you live anywhere in part of the world and you're interested in e-commerce and you want to work and you want to do this type of thing, we will find you. We will get you a job. We hired a lot of people without even having jobs, but I'm just like, oh, you're good. We think that we're <laughs> going to find something for you to amazing. do. I'm, I'm telling you, when it's a, I think it's probably the first time I'm telling this story outside Jimmy, but literally, we, we, would, we would be seeing people. Maybe I would be out having lunch. I would see someone and start talking to them. And I was like, oh, your profile is interesting. Oh, what do you want to do? What are you doing? And, you know, from there, I'll say, you know what, I'm going to get you an interview with my CEO. And the moment he interviews you, he's like, he likes you. He would be like, oh, let's, I, we don't have a job open, but I think that you'll be good in this department. So he would take the person to the head of the department and say, look, this person would be great for you. Interview them. And I can't tell you how many people we had like that. That's amazing. Right? So, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I, I sense I've been kind of like going on and on and on about how did we get here. But my fascination has always been that if you are an organization, if you, if you figure out how to get the right people and you create the right environment for them, there is nothing you cannot become as an organization. Amazing. I think that's a very powerful perspective in terms of uh, how entrepreneurs or businesses should see growth. Uh, like it's all about people and um, I can't say maybe traditional businesses, but the way some people run their businesses, maybe not necessarily startups. I mean, they don't care about people, you know, uh, yeah, right. I think having this perspective is going to change everything uh, as an entrepreneur to actually know it's all about people. I mean, not just people, the right people and you can do wonders with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right that one of the things when you notice in Nigeria, I also noticed it because I didn't work in Nigeria for long, but by the time I spent in Jumia, I started to notice things that uh, companies had this idea that there is a lot of unemployment, so we can treat the people that we have anyhow. Mm. If they leave, we will get 100 applications tomorrow if we open it. This is the psychology of a lot of organizations in Nigeria. And when I was starting... Uh, but that was one of the things that drove me because I spoke with a lot of people. I spoke with a friend who's worked in like I don't know, 
uh, Keystone Bank, I think, whatever they were before that bank, PHB or something. And she's worked there for like five years, never got promoted, was on the same salary, you know, all like, and it was just like, but there are different things you can do. She's like, no, when she got into the bank, she, they give her a company car and she got a loan for the company car. So she has to finish paying that loan before she can decide to move. So, I mean, I, I watched a lot of people. I spoke to a lot of people that I realized that people were, they just like, look, I just want to go there uh, and, you know, at the end of the month, I get paid. Hmm. So you find that's one of the reasons why a lot of companies aren't growing like uh, as tremendous as, as, as they should. And that's one of the reasons why when we started working as everybody, we said we will only work with startups because we want to, we call the career buddy because we're like, I want to be able to, the way I help my friends find jobs, and if I'm finding my jobs for my friends, um, I'm not going to send them to a place where I know they're going to treat them terribly. So I think the best place where you get challenged, you learn, you grow fast, you, any, if you work in a startup and you are, you just graduated NYSC, in a year, you can have responsibility of being VP or something, not just the entire but you can have that level of responsibility that things rely on you, right? So we said, look, this is the kind of experience that we want for ourselves. And this is the kind of experience that we will recommend to our friends. So the best place to find those experiences are in startups and we will continue to go. So we started our company saying, we would only do recruiting for startups because the reason we exist as a company is not just so that we can place, uh, we're not just a, another recruiting organization. We are, we are a way for people to find jobs that they will be happy to go to every day. That's a major difference between uh, Carabody and any other organization. And that is what, that's, that's where we wake up every morning. Just that, hmm. just to find, to say, and we, we've had situations where startups are so terrible in terms of managing people. Mm. And we've had to like let a lot of clients go because we're like, we don't, we, your value doesn't align with our values. The way that we see organizations and how people should work, we cannot in good conscience recommend someone to come and work in your startup, right? So, I mean, those are, those, these are some of the issues that I hope that maybe down the line, I think some of it is coming up already uh, mm. in Nigeria. We're starting to have this conversation about paying people well, treating people well, because now globally, everybody's looking to Nigeria, their tech talent, and American companies are coming and paying Nigerian talent well. So Nigerian employers are now sitting up and you're now thinking, oh, I have to pay them well, I have to treat them well. If not, one company in Germany will come and hire them, you know, and I will lose them. Yeah, that actually is taking me to the to the next question in terms of what you think about tech talent in Nigeria, uh, because right now, I mean, what is happening now can can be referred to as brain drain. You know, there's a whole lot of software developers that are just moving out of the country. Like, so what what can you say about that in terms of uh, the way talent in Nigeria? getting employed by, by foreign organizations. Um, what does that, what position does that leave startups? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so I think that I, I don't think about it as brain drain. Uh, I know why people have that sentiment that, oh, local talents, they're getting uh, tapped. Many, many years ago, one of the books that I read that still shaped my 
mind, I think it's a book that's called uh, the, either it's The Earth is Flat or The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman, I think. Um, I may be wrong about the title, but it's something like The Earth is Flat, something like that. That's the okay. title of the book. And uh, Thomas Friedman, he, he, he kind of like really wrote deep into, for example, like an economy like India, for example. So he wrote about how in India, in the 80s and the 70s, the economy was poor, everything. And India built great schools, schools they call now IITs, Institute of Technologies. Those are some of the, those are some of the best schools in India now. And everyone, you, the competition to get into an IIT is hmm. so tough that people commit suicide if they don't get in. Wow. Right? Yes, people, people commit suicide. Also, actually, the, the hypocrisy is such that when you get into an IIT, it's like your life is set. You have to be, you have to be terrible, you have to terribly screw up for you to be poor, you know, once you, if you get into an IIT. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's, so that's, how, that's like a it. jackpot. It's a, it's a jackpot. Like people who study hard and they get into an IIT. Um, so when, what India did is that they trained a lot of engineers, a lot of doctors with these schools, right? And, but India didn't have employment for them. So what happened was that they, there was a, a situation where U.S. companies started to look at Indian engineers and doctors. So, uh, and because of time zone. So if I'm a doctor in the U.S. and I do an X-ray, um, uh, while I'm going to bed, I can send it to someone in India for, you know, a fraction of the cost. They can analyze and do all the report and send it to me when I wake up and I'm in the office in the morning, all the work is done. All right. So it's the same thing outsourcing in lots of companies. A company called Tata Consultancy Services was built entirely on this. Indian engineers were doing the work that they were doing the work of the same quality that American engineers were doing at maybe like 10%, 20% of the costs. Okay. So that is that's where India actually grew today because a lot of the people who are a lot of people who did that now they have you have income you you have a way to keep your family together then most of them who moved to the u.s they moved back they started big companies and all that right i think that there is a similar template that nigeria can can use and a lot of other countries used it a lot of countries that have huge population and are poor the philippines for example is a great example of this I think that one, one, one of the theses that we played with a lot was that the way the, the world is evolving, Nigeria is never going to be able to meet up technologically in terms of industrialization with uh, Europe, with America. What we can meet up is that we can train talent. We can train our talent in such that any job that is going to be available in the next 10 years, 20 years, in those places, they will come to our population. Right, and if we had a good government, and if we had like even just people, smart people, I know there, there are people who are doing this now. Actually, I think like Andela tried to do this a lot. Uh, there are people who are also doing this gradually. What we need to do is we need to invest rapidly in just training our population, because if we train one million people in Nigeria as software engineers, if they don't get employed by Nigerian companies they will get employed by anyone in the world because mm. they also speak English. So if we're looking for like a prosperity formula, 
I'd say that's one of it. So we shouldn't even think about it as brain drain because now the 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 like I said at the beginning, the way that those companies are treating Nigerian talent is also creating a good environment internally for Nigerian companies. So Nigerian companies are now thinking, oh, I have to pay my employees in dollars. I'll take care of them because if I don't do that, um, they're gone. They're gone. So they're it's kind of like, it's, it's, so it's also improving the local um, employee landscape. Maybe it's not going to totally improve it altogether, but it would, it, it's different now that you know that there's composition. And if a talent is good, they, you have to treat them well. Otherwise, they can go anywhere. They can take their power anywhere, right? So I think that if we look at, I mean, I would still say that everyone is, there's a lot of noise about it today, but we're still at the early days. We still don't even know the potential that our, uh, our country has with this tech talent thing. Because if you look at it, right, how many people are, are we sending from uh, JAMP every year? They're going to universities. There are, I don't know how many people take JAMP anywhere and they cannot get into universities. And I think that a government official can pay, maybe there are more than 2 million people who are writing JAMP. And maybe our universities are taking like 1 million people. Yeah, and something, like... something like that, right? I think... You can you can fund one million people to take a six month software engineering course. Like Lambda School's program is entirely six months, and after that you can be a software engineer. I don't see the reason why any government cannot fund the same thing. And the problem in Nigeria is that we we our our thinking is very simplistic. We don't see we don't look at problems as let's look at the cost, let's fix it. We just like fix what's like so governments now changes policy try to stop you from traveling abroad no that's not that's not a solution you should be thinking about okay how do you let's say a nigerian government trained doctors and they now went abroad or saudi arabia because nigeria is not treated anymore yeah so, but how do you build a situation where what you want is you tax you have a good tax system so that everyone who is nigerian who is educated in Nigeria, that the government paid money for it to be educated, the government can make that money back in one way or the other, right? So I think there's tremendous opportunity for different sectors in the world. I think where everybody's looking towards software engineers, there's still a low, lots of things. They're like vocational workers, like people need to be trained in how to fix AC, how to do plumbing, how to, how to make good furniture, not just those roadside things. I think if we were, if we were really a serious con- country, there is a lot of potential in our con- in our country. Our people are willing to learn, and we just need to like find a serious government to just train people, and that can be our pro- our ticket actually to like economic prosperity. I Amazing! Think- <laughs> I think that some really great insights there. Uh, yeah. I think the vocational education is also a very powerful. Uh, process uh the government can look to to educate people right i mean yeah i mean the state of mind is that if you don't go to university maybe if you have the opportunity to go uh to proceed your education after secondary school in nigeria i mean Mm -hmm. you've not done anything really and the thing is most people go to universities to study courses they don't they don't like courses they're not Mm -hmm. passionate about and they are not even trained in the best way because there are no resources there are no they, they don't have the right equipment tools. There are no laboratories where they can probably learn the best skill. You know, 
while being trained in these courses. And we are not doing anything, anything about our vocational education. And I think what you mentioned is powerful. Uh, when you talk about like plumbing, uh, tiling, there was mm-hmm. a project, there was a time I was in southeastern Nigeria and an institute was being built, Oluaka Institute. They had to bring in tilers from neighboring countries. I think uh, maybe Benin. <laughs> Professional Imagine. tilers. Right now, if people are doing big projects, they import tilers. And we have a mm. whole lot of people that are not unemployed. And they can have these decent skills. Uh, I think uh, it's something we have to do. The government has to look to in terms of creating value, software yeah. development, a lot of opportunities, but we still have to look in depth into our vocational education. Thank you very much for, for sharing that idea, uh, yeah, Abraham. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. I, would like, I would like to learn about uh, funding. So uh, can you tell us when you started, what was, did you bootstrap? I remember you mentioned you were being paid up front. Uh, mm-hmm. at a point before you're able to mm-hmm. get some jobs. But uh, right now, have you raised funds? What's your plan for growth and skill with career body and, and tambourine? Mm. So to be, um, I think the funding question is one of the things I continue to battle with every day. Number one, uh, when I started, we started with and uh, the idea of raising funding didn't even occur to me. It's just like, I need to, my first thing is I need to make this profitable as a business from day one. So we started and we built a framework for that. I hired people and trained them and we started working. So, um, however, as we start to grow, people started to approach us to say, hey, I like what you're doing. Are you guys trying to raise funds? And to be honest, I've said yes and they have said no. So even recently, um, we have Tambourine, our platform where we built to connect, uh, I mean, African talents to remote opportunities anywhere in the world, right? So that's where a lot of, a lot of um, potential investors have been talking to us about that. Um, for, for, for me, I haven't been eager to jump on it because even though it would be good, and I see that there are a lot of people who are raising money. And so... Maybe I should just share that one of the things that I try always not to do is that I'm always being, I, I try to be careful about like following the crowd. Like if everyone is doing something and I, if some, a lot of things, a lot of times in Nigeria, when pe- we do things just because people are doing it and not just because, oh, this is the right thing for us, right? So I, I, I I know that the, the cool thing to do is to raise funds to announce, oh, you just raised this amount of money. But to be honest, I've never really, really gotten into it. I, um, I'm rethinking it because I think, oh, if we want to grow fast and grow really big, maybe we need to take on external funding. So, um, however, we haven't done that because we are, we are also proving some parts of our product and we want to be able to get some good traction in improving that before we can then go to investors because we want we know that if if the product is proven you can uh, you can dictate the terms you can ask for more money you you set the tone of what you ask for from investors if the product is still like you're still figuring it out investors dictate the tone right so and the good part is that we're running it as a business and we're generating income so we're using our income to run and build it to the point where we then say, okay, you know what? We, I think we're ready to take on external, external funding. 
So I, I would say that in, in the next maybe six months, we are considering that. But at the moment, we're using the revenue that we're generating to, to run the organization, to pay staff, to build our technology and that. And hoping that the moment that, that we have a good momentum, we can, we can dictate how much we want to raise, how we want to raise money and that kind of thing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so as we round up, I would just like to hear from you. Is there anything you would like to share with us? Uh, so actually, just thinking about, as I started talking about this thing, I just realized, oh my God, there are, I, I always wanted, there are a lot of ideas I always thought about and I share with my team. And we never talk about, I mean, just like putting it out there, right? So some of the things that I really that I'm really passionate about is I, as I mentioned, like helping people find great opportunities. But more importantly, helping organizations see why that talent is the most important um, asset that they have. Organizations, they talk about that on their website and on their PowerPoint presentation, but they, they do the opposite of that and and when they're treating employees, right? So I am, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about helping people, employees also realize you have a lot of power. Look, if you're good, you 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 build your superpower, you, you're good at something, you're top in, in something. If someone is not treating you well, you can take that power anywhere. So invest in yourself and, you know, becoming good, becoming really good at what you're doing. And, uh, one of the problems that people complain about Nigerian employees, like, oh, work ethic, oh, delivering when they promise, all of those things. I think that if you are, if you can iron out that and you can put integrity to your work, um, you can always take your skill anywhere in the world. You would always find a place somewhere in the world where someone needs what you're doing, right? So that's what I just wanted to share. Um, I think in terms of our work, one of we are we're passionate about talking to startups. So if you're if you're building a company, either you you want to hire employee number one, employee number two, we are we're happy to support. Or you want to you're you want to go grow from ten to two hundred, we're we're happy to support in that. Um, I think that's it, Major. All right, thank you very much, Abraham, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been good. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, everyone, that's Abraham. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And kindly recommend the show to your friends. And please subscribe. Uh, You can also connect with us by writing to curiosity podcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.